I have been communing with all my friends since I've got here. <laughs> Even people I didn't know were my friends are my friends. And that's what I love about this convention. This is my very first convention. I see people I know, people I don't know, but what I love about these things is there a connection between everybody and I feel it. And I can't even sleep at night because I'm so excited about it. That's true for me too. Yeah. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Don, where have you been? Well, I took a little trip to the mountains to a little historic resort community, Lake Junaluska. A nice secluded trip, disconnected from all types of technology and such, right? Back to nature, but I was there with 1,172 of my closest friends. What? Yeah, it was the 76th North Carolina State Convention. I went for the grapevine and as a volunteer. It's always good to volunteer at conventions and such, you know? You end up fitting in, you know? I have a purpose to be there. But also, being a volunteer, I got to meet so many more people than I would have otherwise. Yeah. So the layout of the place, the, the meetings were in two buildings, basically. One had lots of small rooms for marathon meetings and a big, I guess, literature room. A World Services and Grapevine were there with all the books that we published. And the NC Archives had a display. There were lots of tables for like Al-Anon and correctional facilities, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, okay. And then you said you were volunteering too. Did you like do a workshop or something? Well, yes, I did a workshop for the grapevine. Now the, the other building was this auditorium, a round hall with theater seating built in 1913, and it could seat 2000 people. That's where I did the writing workshop. Oh, <laughs> you can imagine. And I got very kind of worked up about this. And I was asking, why can we get a space with tables? Because this had theater seating. Mm -hmm. uh, I was not knowing how it was going to work. Well, I talked to Allison, the grapevine chair, and she said, I'll take care of it. And Lizzie, Lizzie is the alternate chair of the whole convention. Went to a big box store and got clipboards. And I mean, a lot. Of, in fact, they got every clipboard <laughs> <laughs> and brought them back. Well, I was talking with Allison about a half hour before it was to begin. I said I was nervous. I had trouble sleeping the night before about it. And she said, Don, I'm not nervous. How can he not be nervous? And she looked me direct in the eye. I have faith. And I could feel that coming from her. I'm going, oh, I don't have faith. <laughs> oh, that's what's wrong. I need to surrender this. And she said, it's going to be okay. We walked over there and it was. We had about 30 people and it went off without a hitch. It was beautiful. But I learned a little lesson there. It's there's always more letting go to do and I can't control everything. Yeah. And you know what I love, especially when we're doing something with a bunch of alcoholics in recovery, I don't have to put on a show for them. I'm just me. 
That's right. You also did some volunteer, right? That's right. I was on the hospitality committee. And one of the things I did was work in the hospitality room. It was around 11 a.m. when I showed up for my shift and I was there with Ludie. I walked into the room and she was putting out food. She was arranging crackers and cheese on the tray and beautiful designs and was beginning to make sandwiches with croissants. And, and I said, you know, let me, do, let me help. What can I do to help here? And she said, Don, you're really good at talking. Why don't you just talk to people? And I'll do this because I don't want to talk to anyone. (laughs) I love it. And I'll say, well, I guess I am. I'm good at talking. So I was directing everyone and we came in, you know, people ask questions. I told them she didn't have to talk, but then I got an interview with her. (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) I don't like to talk. Oh, good. Let's have an interview. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool there. You could just talk with anyone in the hallway, in the elevator. I sat down with different people for every meal. It was not small talk, but you could get into a real conversation with anyone. Oh, yeah. And I love that you sat with different people every time. Yeah, because it's always possible, no matter who you sit with (laughs) in a room full of alcoholics. Yeah, we know we've got things in common. (laughs) But I was talking with one lady in the hallway and uh, asked her where she was from. And she looked at me with kind of bunched her eyebrows and didn't want to answer. And she was very guarded. And I was going, okay, I've actually found someone here who's not here for the convention. (laughs) It's like, what do you want out of me? (laughs) So you're just walking up to complete strangers that are, you know, hotel staff, maybe other guests. Really, you could. Visiting dignitaries. (laughs) A random bear walking around. (laughs) Well, what was the most moving thing you experienced while you were there? You know, we both had a mutual friend, Blair, who has since passed on. And he always talked to me about going to the international convention. He went four times and we both had tickets to go to Detroit, but of course it got canceled. And also he passed away. So I never have seen a sobriety countdown. Saturday, they did one. There were a thousand people in the room, quite possibly. They asked everyone to stand who had at least a year. And then they started counting down. If you have one year, sit down, two years, sit down all the way up. It got to me 29 years. I sat down. A third of the room was still standing. (laughs) Yeah. Enormous. I don't know. I just felt it sweep over me. It's like all this hope that was there. This works. And these people are happy. And it was it was just beautiful. Yeah. A sobriety countdown can be a really powerful experience. I can't wait for you to meet some of these people that I got to interview. I'm looking forward to it. Don, we're fast approaching our 100th recording, and I've got an idea. We sing 100 bottles of beer on the wall? No. <laughs> no? Listeners, call or write to us with your favorite segments. What made you laugh? What brought a tear? Give us the episode number and, if you can, the time so we can find it. Call 212-870-3418 or write us at podcast at aagrapevine.org. Okay, Don, so you've organized 
all these interviews into three batches, right? Yes. So, uh, well, who's in batch one? Well, the first three people are folks who really work to put this thing on. And then we're going to meet one of the fantastic speakers, Pat Y from California, your neck of the woods. Oh. Yeah, I interviewed her on Friday. She spoke Saturday night. I'm an alcoholic. My name's Elena. Elena, what is your position here at the convention? I'm the convention chair. You're responsible for the whole dang thing. I am. I am. <laughs> <laughs> However, I have a fabulous committee, so many hands make light work, and it's so great. They've made my job so easy. <laughs> it actually starts in about an hour's registration open, so we're at the very beginning. Right. Did you sleep last night? Not very well. <laughs> <laughs> what led you to take this position, convention chair, which is an awesome responsibility? I mean, well, you kind of grow into it. So I have been sober a little over 41 years. So I went to my first convention in the early 80s. I was just a few months sober. And it was such a, an amazing experience. I just loved it. And so over the years, I've taken service jobs around the convention, working in registration, working in the hospitality room. I was registrar for the past several years. That's probably the hardest job, even harder than than being convention chair. It is a lot. That's registering everybody who applies. Everybody, (laughs) yes. I don't know if this is the case in areas all across the country, but in North Carolina, there's Area 51, it seems to me that the assemblies are like a home group business meeting, and the convention is like the home group meeting. It's more like a party. More like a party. <laughs> it's a home group party. Right. Right. It's like uh, it's like getting an IV injection of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, you know I mean? It's so great, you know. Yeah. All the meetings, all the speaker meetings, the workshops the old timers panel, everything, especially for newcomers. We got a lot of newcomers coming from two treatment centers here. What can you tell somebody who's never been to a convention? What's the reason for going? Well, to have a good time. You know, that's our theme. We're not a glum lot, Mm. just like it says in the big book. And this demonstrates it. A lot of fun things. And to have it in a venue like Lake Junaluska, where there's so much to do, even outside the meetings, huge lake, canoeing, paddle boarding, kayaking, hiking, golfing. They have miniature golf. They have a beautiful swimming pool. I mean, there's just a lot to do, even outside the meeting. Yeah, I've looked at the schedule. I've got maybe an hour and a half one day that I don't have something I want to do because there's so much scheduled to do. There with is speakers a lot to do. Yeah. I think somebody who is new finds out that sobriety isn't, isn't grim, you know, like I thought it was going to be. Well, the whole place is crackling with energy as it's just about to start. So, Elena, thanks so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Glad you're here. Hi, I'm Lizzie. I'm an alcoholic. I have 10 years of sobriety. I got sober in November 2012, and my home group is the Basics Group. So tell us what your job is here at the convention. I'm the alternate chair of the convention. Part of my job is organizing the registration and making sure that we have enough of everything, welcoming people, doing the website. 
It's a little bit of everything. Now, Elena just said that the registrar had the hardest job. Everybody kind of helps with every job. That's what I love about AA, and you're never set up to fail. You're always set up to succeed. There's so much positivity. Like whenever you're planning a, a large event, something happens. You can't think of everything. There's just a lot of like love and joy in figuring out these little problems. Can you give an example? Yeah, I have one from today, actually. We printed our programs too early, and then some changes happened on the schedule. You know, those are the kind of problems in, like, the real world, like, when I had a job and stuff, like, oh, you know, you're going to get in trouble, someone's going to yell at you. Mm -hmm. and, and in AA, what I found is, like, you know, oh, well, we maybe shouldn't have printed them so early. We'll make a note for that next year. And, and everyone sort of just jumps in and tries to figure out how do we get it so everybody has a program and this weekend's going to come off without a hitch. So we have somebody else right now going to pick up the new schedules and everything's going to be perfect. It'll be here before the registration opens at 430. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. Exactly. Well, Lizzie, how does this help you stay sober? Yeah, I really love service work. I've found like a different kind of serenity. I feel like really connected to the people that I work with on the convention committee just because we spend so much time together planning this event. They become friends and coming to the convention is really special to me because the first time I ever came, I was like three months sober. Ten years later, now I'm helping to plan it. And it's just kind of a crazy thing when I think about it because I just wasn't somebody who you would trust to do no. anything like this. So thinking about like how far I've come is just, it's unbelievable. It feels not real. <laughs> To me, it's a service that we provide for AA where newcomers come to the convention and they see like how great life can be because they see people that are recovered. They see that hope. They see how much fun we're having together because there's a lot of laughter. And that's why the convention is like we are not a glum lot this year. Fun and recovery. Yeah. All wrapped up together. Thanks, Lizzie. Thank you. My name's Denise. I'm an alcoholic. Sobriety date is November 19th, 2012. I currently live in Durham, North Carolina. So the chair of the convention is actually my service sponsor. Oh. So I was asked to be on the committee. Of course, I said yes. I did the website, and I've been doing registration. Oh. And I think we're up to 1093 today off Saturday morning at 9 a.m. That is a big crowd. The theme of the convention is we are not a glum lot. And I think it's really good that we have that many people who are not glum. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> What's something that's happened so far and that's been remarkable? I went to the call-up meeting Friday morning. What's a call-up meeting? Well, you get a ticket when you go in the door and the chair opens the meeting with a topic and then they reach in a cup and pull out tickets. And so instead of winning money, you get to go up to the mic and share for three to five minutes. And my sponsor was selected and she went up and told a story. She didn't mention me by name, of course, but it was just a memory that came flooding back and it brought tears to my eyes. I was afraid to go play golf without a beer in my hand. And so I went with her the first time. First time sober. First time sober. And it was fun. You had fun sober. Yeah. I'm not sure what I thought. Like, I thought I was going to go to the golf course and be struck drunk or something, yeah. you know. But it didn't happen, and we had a really good time. 
Denise, thanks for talking. You're welcome, Don. My name is Pat, and I'm an alcoholic. Pat, you're from Seal Beach, California? Yes. And you're one of the speakers? Yes. What is it like to speak at a conference in front of now there are 1,000 registered people? I like it because there, I actually like speaking at a big meeting as opposed to a little one because of the energy in the room. It just makes it, for me, easier to talk. Yeah, and you're just telling your story. Exactly, my favorite topic, so <laughs> me. <laughs> and how does that work for keeping you sober? That's a good question. I think it gives me the opportunity to meet lots of people. AA is the same everywhere, and yet it's different. You know, everybody has a little different flavor, how they do it in this state or that state. or And so it's been interesting to me. I've been sober most of my sobriety in the same home group. So that's, as far as I'm concerned, that's how it's supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. but, um, but obviously there are, you know, many different ways of doing it. And so it's given me an opportunity to, to, to feel some of that, to experience some of that around the country. When did you get sober? August 28, 1975. You've been telling your story for a good long while. I have. I mean, do you ever have the feeling that it's a story and you're just like repeating the same Well, sometimes thing? I have, not exactly, but sometimes I, when I'm talking I, and I'm telling my story, I have the sense, it's almost like I'm talking about somebody else. Because I'm like, I'm not that person that I was 47 years ago. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. You know, it's hopefully, mm. you know, hopefully ever evolving here. So, um, but I get what you're saying. Does it get stale or, mm -hmm. or whatever? I try not to talk too often mm -hmm. because it's, I think it's more Pat than I need to be hearing. I need to be hearing other people. So what can you say about the way that AA is different in different parts of the country and how it's the same? What's your reflections on that? Well, how it's the same is obviously it's the same 12 steps. You know, it's the same book. It's the, the program is the same. But I guess the way I would say it is individual groups or areas have their sort of customs that are different than other places. I, mean, I, uh, I got sober in Los Angeles, and I was in the same home group for 36 years, and then I moved to the Palm Springs area for 10 years, and then I have moved back. But it was just not that far away. It's only a couple hours away to Palm Springs. That area gets a lot of retirees from different places. So one of the things, for example, that we do in Southern California is we clap for everything, you know, for everything, whatever, you know, and, and our literature person is so-and-so, and we all clap for that. Anytime somebody shares, we clap. In, we had a lot of people from San Francisco in the desert, and they don't clap from in San Francisco. So we had this big to-do in our meeting, you know, we had in the business meeting, you know, I want to vote that we stop the clapping. So we had this contentious discussion about it, and the vote passed that we are no longer going to clap. Okay, so the next week we're in the meeting and somebody shared and half the meeting went, and then it's like, oh, we're not supposed to be clapping. And eventually they just voted to clap again. I mean, so it's, it's those kind of customs that are different around the country, you know. And they can feel so controversial. Oh, totally. You should have heard the discussion about it. I mean, you would have thought we were discussing world peace, you know, <laughs> seriously. And lastly, what is something that has really moved you speaking at a convention I think the thing that moves me the most is when I share something and somebody, in particularly women, tend to do this because I'm a woman, so that, you know, they're the ones that would come to me and say, you know, you really changed my mind. You know, I've, I'm struggling with exactly what you just talked about so much. You know, you've, that's, it's helped me so much. You know, it's like, oh, that makes the 
traveling eight hours on the plane or whatever to get here kind of worth it, you know? I love being at the conventions. It's the travel getting there and getting home that I hate. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, if I'm feeling kind of cranky about it all, that just takes all that away. Because I know that I thought of it this way when I was new. When I'm sitting in a speaker meeting, I feel like the speaker is talking to me. It's like one alcoholic talking to another. It's not like a big room full of people. It is. I think those people, those women, as I said, that come and talk to me after and say those kind of things, that's how they felt. And I think that's I'm doing my job, you know. Pat, thanks so much. Sure. So wasn't Pat fun? Let me ask you, Sam, do they clap for everything in Palm Springs still? <laughs> oh, man, Don. Yeah, there's a lot of clapping here. It's something that takes some getting used to. But, you know, uh, one of the funny things I hear is about people who travel from Palm Springs and go to places. They're the only person clapping in the room <laughs> when they go to a meeting somewhere else. You know, the regional differences in meetings are all kinds of differences. But I love that you have said this before. The important stuff is always there. (laughs) That's right. All right, Don. Now, what's in batch two? Now we have Rose, who was one of the people called at a pop-up meeting. She shared at that meeting by singing Amazing Grace. That was her share. And then Jamie M. from Queens, New York the Friday night speaker, Keith, the Area 51 archivist, and Trent, who I caught at the grapevine table. I'm Rose H. My home group is the North Raleigh group, and my sobriety date is October 2nd, 2017. You're all over the convention. I have seen a play that you helped organize and directed and an AA fashion show, and I've heard you have sung at a meeting. You're just bringing creativity. I just love it. Tell me about the play. I've been doing theater since I was a little kid and singing in rock and roll bands since I was a teenager, and I'm a guitar player and a piano player, and I'm a singer primarily. And finally, in 2016, I relapsed on booze. I pulled one drunk. And the next day, I went to AA. So when I came in this time, I knew it was those inventory steps and those amend steps and a reliance on something other than just meetings and fellowship. I knew that's what I needed. I had a big belly full of AA. And I was completely desperate. I had the amazing gift of desperation. So I got into the steps. And so I've been on fire with the program. And so I started service work at a home group right away. The minute I got done the 12th step, she said, now you raise your hand to be a sponsor. I started sponsoring women. Awesome. And Elena asked me if I would be interested to come to Lake Junaleska to direct and produce, you know, skits or whatever. And so Mm -hmm. the course, I mean, it's right up my alley. And you're able to bring this. And for probably even the first few years in here, you know, I thought I probably had a little bit of, you know, like, oh, I wish I could be more artistic at AA. You said that an old timer had said there's no singing in AA, but you sang in AA. And it's because I think, like, I don't mind it. For a while there, when I first got back, I, that was really ringing in my head. Don't sing in AA. Don't talk about being, in a, being a singer. Don't bring that kind of attention to yourself. You're just a worker among workers, you know.
but I did not have the joy. I didn't have the realization of I can do all this stuff, all the things that I'm passionate about in here. Do you remember the fashion show, the introduction to one of the dresses? Lorna. Um, her ensemble was the willing to go to any length evening wear. And Lorna had adorned herself in a full length gold lame cape in the fashion of a loose garment. <laughs> that so was, she that was, was one literally of the wearing a loose garment. <laughs> she was. Yeah. And you know what? Truthfully, that the first things first fashion show was already written, but it was a bit of a different script. I took some of there, but I kind of made it ours with the props we had and the clothes we had and things like that. So I embellished it greatly. I asked permission for that, <laughs> if that can be done. But members of AA have written tons of skits and they're out there. And they're always kind of bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure I was sitting there like, this is the worst acting I've ever seen in my yes, life. Well, and now I understand it's supposed to be. You know what it, I mean? It's fun and it brings exuberance. And we're not a glum lot. Right. And like you can't mess up AA. The play that was done, we were inside Bill's head. And there was a corporate boardroom yes. filled with all his character defects. Fear, denial... Depression, insecurity, anger, control issues. And control issues was running the meeting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And their problem was? That serenity was sneaking in. (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad that you're able to bring creativity and haven't lost it now. Yeah, yeah. All those props, you know, that giant phone, giant inflatable old school that looks like an old 80s telephone with a huge antenna. We and had, the joke was... And infl- that it was the thousand pound phone. In <laughs> fact, Lorna, who had on the going to any lengths outfit, she was carrying it and she was lifting it as if it was made of air, which it was. <laughs> but it was supposed to be the thousand, thousand pound phone. phone. She's willing to go to any lengths. Yeah. <laughs> and I made the joke. She makes calls. She takes calls. <laughs> Come on. Rose, this is a pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much for being here. Thank and thanks you. for talking. Sure thing. Uh, good morning. My name is Jamie. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my home group is the Cade Falcha group of Woodside, Queens, New York. And uh, my sobriety date is February the 13th of 1988. Jamie, you're one of the speakers here at the convention. That's right. Yeah, I had a great time. It was a wonderful experience. It's a beautiful location, and I've just had the best time. Everyone's been wonderful. And What's something that's remarkable that's happened? i got to tell you, there's been marathon meetings kind of around the clock down here, and I've been listening to I keep hearing people talk about um, the promise of peace of mind. I remember one of my first AA meetings hearing somebody talk about waking up this morning with a quiet mind and I never had a quiet mind. My mind was racing and my mind was screaming and yet the promise of waking up with a quiet mind was the greatest promise that I could ever have heard. You know, uh, AA has given me the ability to recognize that things are happening on schedule. It might not be my schedule and I can be uncomfortable and live comfortably. And it's really, uh, I've been listening to a lot of people kind of hit that same theme serenity and calamity that's right that's right yeah (laughs) you told a story last night genealogy of your sponsor can you share that story sure i'd be happy to i had this wonderful man came into my life he called himself pompous peter he was an englishman from bristol england where he got sober and he moved to new york and and that's where he and he and i got together and he was a real student of of aa history and he was a student of our, our literature he kind of brought to life the uh, excitement of the of the history of AA and how the idea that in 1935 there were just two of us. There was this New York stock speculator and this Akron, Ohio proctologist, and they 
they met for only 15 minutes they were going to meet and uh, suddenly today we're, there's more than 2 million of us our book has been translated into 90 different languages and 180 different countries and you know he introduced me to his sponsor, Pompous Peter. He introduced me to a guy named Paul M., who lives still is still in Bristol, England. He came to visit New York, where I met Paul, and they we told told me about Paul's sponsor, Steve, and they they went back. And before that, there was a guy named Travers, who's quite a big figure in in uh, Bristol, England. Travers was was one of the pioneers of AA in the 1950s. Travers actually launched uh, and started a lot of AA groups in Bristol. And the guy who got him sober was a man named Sackville. Sackville was the career officer who uh, wrote his story in the third edition of the big book. They don't have his story in the in the new edition, but when I when I first came around, it was the third edition. I still and, have a third yeah, edition. The page five seventeen was the career officer. My sponsor shared with me that this is the guy who was sponsored by Bill Wilson. Ed Sackville was the guy who, really one of the main people who started AA in Ireland. Uh, he got sober in 1947. Just the concept that this guy Sackville, the career officer, sponsors Travers. Tra- Travers sponsors Steve. Steve sponsors Paul M. Paul sponsors Pompous Peter. And then Pompous Peter, you know, connected with me. And, and Peter just explained to me, he did the, he did the research and kind of wrote it all down on, on who these men were and when they got sober and how between me and Bill Wilson, there's six degrees of separation. Mm. And just like all of us, you know, uh, have that same connection. We can all kind of look back and, and hopefully connect the dots between where that one alcoholic to another met another and passed the message and the ripples of uh, the ripple effect of, of recovery has gone on and all of the millions of people who have been saved, uh, and the and the cycle and the chain of alcoholic insanity has been has been broken for today. I'll never be cured of this disease, but I'm healed. 24 hours at a time, I'm healed if I keep coming back and I keep taking part in this amazing, amazing program. We're all part of this unbroken chain from Bill and Bob all the way to to when I share the message or I speak to someone and say, "Do you, you want to come to a meeting?" Absolutely, yeah. You know, today I'm at the North Carolina State AA Convention, and I want the hand of AA to be there, and I'm responsible for that. And, you know, there's a new... I met a guy with 55 days last night who's now today volunteering at registration, and uh, this kid is 21 years old, and, you know, he kind of reminds me of me when I first came around. So that chain is still still unbroken, as you said. Ah, it's beautiful. Thanks, Jamie. All right, take care. Hey, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Keith. You're the archivist for Area 51. Who started meetings in North Carolina? So the first one was Dr. Mitchell out of Shelby, North Carolina. He was a morphine addict, and he went to rehab in Kentucky, and he read a copy of the big book. And he used what he read in the big book, and he stayed sober for two years. He moved back to Shelby, and he read about Alcoholics Anonymous again in an article, and he wanted the book because he never got a copy of it. So he wrote GSO. They wrote him back and said, hey, you're the first person from North Carolina that's written to us. Would you be a contact or whoever else writes to us from North Carolina? And he said, yeah. And they said, oh, by the way, would you start a group? And he said, yes. So that was the first group in North Carolina. And shortly after that, a man named David Ray moved down from New Jersey. He was from Scotland, had a really heavy Scottish accent. Uh, he had gotten sober in New York. He moved down here to be a boiler inspector. So back then, they had boilers in all of these different institutions, houses, 
and they were a hazard. They would blow up, and if they weren't looked at properly, right? Yeah, so there was the a, boiler was the way the heating worked. Yes, exactly. So he had that job of going and being a boiler inspector, so that sent him all over the state of North Carolina and South Carolina. And what he knew when he moved down here is that he had to work with other alcoholics if he wanted to stay sober, right? Our primary purpose. So he wrote to GSO and said, hey, who's written to you from Smithfield? I'm going to go to Smithfield in a couple of weeks to look at a boiler. Has anyone written to you from Smithfield? And they would write back, yes, two people. And one that actually his last name was Smith, have written to us from Smithfield. Here's their contact details. So David would go to Smithfield in those two weeks, and he would call them ahead of time and say, I'm coming in. I want to talk about Alcoholics Anonymous with you. And then he would meet with them, tell them about Alcoholics Anonymous more than what they already knew about it, and then he would encourage them to start a meeting. So that's how meetings started popping up all over North Carolina. And that's probably the way that they started all over the U.S. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yep, totally. It's the letters. The letters were our first piece of service material. You know, the Big Book was our first big one. But those letters, to me, were the first like piece of service material because they were really spreading the news. And then the connections were made from people who were traveling and such as that, like Dave. What else did Dave do? When he couldn't find wet drunks to work with, he made a plan to go to an African-American work camp in Charlotte on Sunday afternoons, and he would bring a meeting in there because that was his way of working with other alcoholics when there weren't any wet drunks that he got from GSO to talk to. I guess it's pretty obvious, but what's a work camp? So back then, in the 30s, they did have jails and prisons in Charlotte, but they had work camps, and they were owned by a person, and it was basically slave labor is what it was. It was free labor for those people who owned farms and whatnot, and say it was a part of the penal code of Charlotte, North Carolina. You know if that went on for a while? I think it did go on for a couple years, and I think that was our first prison meeting at Alcoholics Anonymous. Everyone talks about San Quentin being the longest running and first prison meeting. But to me, it would be very interesting if I can prove that Dave was there doing that on Sunday afternoons in the early 40s, because that would really be the first prison meeting um, that ever existed. They just didn't register with GSO. And if you're not registered with GSO, then it's not really a part of history because we can't look back and we're going by people's word. And then another interesting thing about Dave, he was the manager of like four boiler inspectors. These other four people were not even drunks and they weren't a part of AA, but he got them so excited about AA, they, they would do the same thing. If they went somewhere in South Carolina or North Carolina, they would agree to meet with these people that Dave gave them to. It's beautiful the way that AA spread yes. at the very beginning. Yep. And I guess it still spreads in that way with one of us reaching out to another. Yeah, and making that connection. It's like yeah. all about the connection, right? Keith, thanks. Sure. Thanks for having me. My name is Trent, and I am an alcoholic. When did you get to the conference? Uh, we came in yesterday afternoon, Thursday. Called a great meeting at one of the marathon meetings. Yeah, there's meetings around the clock. It was a discussion meeting, personality change. It's only mentioned one time in the big book, I think. Do you think you had a personality change I would summer? I would definitely say that I've had a personality change. You know, It was a result of doing the work and the program. I mean, I had to do some introspection there were so many things that I'm unaware of. I didn't realize the extent of my selfishness and self-centeredness, which now I believe is the reason that I drank. I never really understood the reason. I, you know, I knew that I was out of control, and but I never really understood why I kept going back. You know, I never understood the nature of the obsession and that it was really a personality problem. It was a, a living problem, you know. And the drinking was a symptom. It was a, that was a new concept for me. Yeah. What does that mean, drinking is a symptom? I would become restless, irritable, and discontented by my inability to arrange life to suit myself. 
I would search for the ease and comfort, you know, and that old time feeling that, that came with taking a drink. Um, and man, when it worked, it worked. It made me okay. It made me okay with you and it made me okay with me and it made everything out in the world okay. And um, that's what it did for me until it didn't. It's a symptom of my dis-ease, my discomfort, my inability to be comfortable in my own skin, you know. Yeah. Um, Alcoholism is a disease. Right. Has anything happened at the convention that's rewarding so far? It's always rewarding when we all get together because there's a magic that happens. There's a magic that takes place when a big group of alcoholics get together. You get the feeling that you know everyone. It feels like family, and that's so amazing. Everyone, you can talk to just anyone here. Right. And, and have a meaningful conversation. Right, right. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing that we're, we're alive and, ah. we're, and we're here. You know, we made it through the, the worst times of our lives. You know, we're here to help each other and support each other. It's just, it's more than I deserve. I, I didn't know that that's what was going to happen when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, no. For sure. Thanks, Trent. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Don. That sounds like it was a blast. I'm envious. No, don't be, Sam. If all goes according to plan, you're going to be going to San Francisco for the Ikipa convention. It's true, where the Grapevine will release the new Grapevine app. <laughs> it really is an honor to get to go to these events and meet all these wonderful AA people. It truly is. I mean, what a treat and to get to know so many people. And like you were talking about with uh, sitting down with folks at dinner, you know, we can jump right into a real conversation because, yeah, we already know what we've got in common. That's pretty good for a extroverted introvert like me. <laughs> I prefer to think of myself as an outgoing introvert. You're an introverted outrovert. Outrovert? <laughs> Sam, to top off my convention weekend, they had a raffle for the banner, which hung above the stage. It was this beautiful stylized image of a person with upraised arms standing before a vast mountain view. And across the bottom was written the weekend theme, we are not a glum lot. That banner is something like five feet tall by seven feet wide. They drew Karen's name. She's in my home group. Oh. And now the banner hangs in front of the chairperson's table at our meeting. It's beautiful. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But Don, we're almost out of time and we still have another batch of interviews, including Ludie. I know. I got more than we could possibly fit into half an hour. And they're all interesting, every one of them. So those of you who want to can keep listening after the show for even more from the 76th North Carolina Convention. Kind of like the meeting after the meeting. Have another cup of coffee and sit back and relax. Sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Don, how can I support the Grapevine podcast? Since the Grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or even on our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept contributions from AA members. What? If you want to support the podcast, visit aagrapevine.org and click on store. An historic short snort from June 1958.
It was W.C. Fields who said, I drink to steady my nerves, and sometimes I get so steady I can hardly move. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc., We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org. and my name is Steve L. Steve, you were on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago. This is true. You've just completed the Old Timers panel, and I wanted to... Seasoned AA member, not Old Timers. Okay, seasoned AA member, beautiful. And I just wanted to follow up what your experience was like speaking in that big room. So if you can imagine, when you're asked to speak at such an event really far in advance, like December, January time frame, I gave that talk while mowing the lawn a bunch of times. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great experience. I had no idea how big the facility was going to be. I've spoken in big venues before, but not as big as this. But it, what a great experience. You were one of three speakers. What feedback did you get? Uh, interesting is that the, one of the speakers uh, backed out, so we had another speaker fill in, and he's, he said, oh, I didn't want to go first, and the other person didn't want to go first. And I said, well, I'll go first. Mr. Willingness. It is Mr. Willingness. Say yes, right? So a g- great feedback. Yeah, and, and I thought that the other speakers did a great job as well. Got the message across. We all covered different categories, and, uh, but it was really good. And now you can relax. Now I can relax. The suit is off. I'm wearing shorts and sandals. Yes. <laughs> Steve, it was a great talk. Thank you. Thanks for following up. I'm Ludi. I'm from Raleigh. My home group is Prodigious Result. Hey, Ludi, when did you get sober? In December of 2018. What part does coming to an AA convention play in your sobriety? Well... I'm not a very social person, so I get to practice being social around, you know, people like me, like alcoholics. Yeah. That might be a little weird and a little just off sometimes. (laughs) Would you say you're more comfortable sitting in your room than getting into a crowd of uh, 900 people? Yeah. (laughs) So you were in the play Uh that was performed last night. That was fun. There wasn't much acting involved. I played control issues, so it wasn't that difficult. So (laughs) (laughs) Serenity ended up taking over, and we all got fired. It was kind of like a board meeting kind of setup. Mr. Alcoholism was the boss, and then Serenity came in and fired all of us at the end. (laughs) Yeah, it was very much fun. Lily, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. I'm an alcoholic. My name is Lily. 
Greensboro, North Carolina. And when did you get sober? August the 10th of 2020. And what's it like for you here at the convention? Mm, I like running into people that I already know that are here from my area. And the lake is beautiful. It's a nice tranquil area to have a conference. Um, I'm meeting a lot of new people. I'm enjoying how many meetings there are, the variety too. What's something that you've taken away from one of the meetings? The one marathon that we've been to was last night, and that was the personality change. It's a great reminder of where I was and the work that I had to put in to get to where I am now. Mm -hmm. It was a complete personality change, and I don't really know when it happened. It just, as, as I started working the steps, you know, and I started to seek my higher power in everyday life, it just started to change. I became more happy, joyous, and free. Things weren't so serious. Yeah. yeah. Rule 62. Right. Don't take yourself so seriously. Exactly. <laughs> Where are you staying? We're staying at the Lambeth Inn. I don't know, maybe a mile up the mountain? That's a long walk. Yeah, we're not walking. <laughs> we're taking the tram, which is very nice. It runs every 15 minutes, so that's convenient. Uh, well, this convention is spread out over a few buildings. Mm-hmm. Lily, thanks for joining me. My name's Chris. I'm an alcoholic. My home group is the Castlehane Group in Castlehane, North Carolina, and my sobriety date is May 2nd of 2022. It was pretty cool to see all the sobriety in the room. Like, pretty much seemed like everybody had 30. There was a lot of people with 30 plus years here this weekend. That sobriety countdown. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I think at 30, there was still like a third of the room standing up. Yeah. What was the most fun experience this weekend? I did a lot of service this weekend. That was kind of fun. I like doing service. In what way? Well, Wednesday we helped do all the packets. I don't know. I just did a lot of stuff, just whatever was needed. How did you happen to come to the conference? Um, My sponsor was on the committee, so I got here Wednesday with him. You were voluntold to come to the conference? (laughs) No, not really. Good. You think that, but well, I have the potential to get voluntold, but I volunteer. (laughs) What's something you heard this weekend that has really going to stay with you? I like the last speaker and how he was talking about we all have the ticket. Yeah, we are all given a ticket. When we get here. When we get here. Whether we use it or not is up to us. That was Cliff G. from Oklahoma. And I like what his wife had said. Helpfulness is the sunny side of control. I like that because I try to be helpful. Yeah, Lori G. Yeah. I think I could qualify for that fellowship as well, probably. For Al-Anon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be come in and save people sometimes, and I destroy my own life in that aspect sometimes. How did you surrender? How did you come to AA? Well, this time, I came to AA after a pretty bad relapse. So I was in the hospital for a month. Hmm. Got out of the hospital, went pretty much three weeks, went right back to doing the same thing three weeks after. I didn't want to. I drink against my will, basically. By doing that, I came to the conclusion I didn't want this life of drinking all the time. And I did it for me for the first time, not for anybody else. I never did that. It's always been for somebody else. My parents, probation, court, 
never for me. So what I'm hearing is all the willingness. It sounds like that's coming from a place where I don't want to drink anymore. I'm done with it. Dude. Yeah, if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. That's just me. I just don't. I won't. <laughs> I never have and I never will. <laughs> well, Chris, <laughs> Chris, I appreciate you doing this. No problem. I understand that you wanted to do this. Yeah, I definitely did. <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris. No problem.